you're listening to Unique Leaders Podcast. I'm Megan DiMartino. Success is in the story. Each week, I'll be speaking with a unique leader, not only in their field, but in their lives. Join us for a glimpse of their passion and talents. There's always a surprise in their story. Be the first to hear. Hello, 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 and welcome to Unique Leaders Live. It's Friday, my favorite day of the week, not because it's Friday, but because of Unique Leaders Live. I am thrilled to have my guest, Carla New, with me today, and I know that you will so enjoy Carla's story, and it is such an inspiring story. I met Carla, true, true story, on Facebook. I heard an interview that she was uh, she was being interviewed, or it was a conversation by the one and only Molly Mahoney, and it was one Saturday, Friday night or Saturday, um, and I happened to wake up, and um, I think my phone had been left on, and I was probably listening to Clubhouse or something like that, and then started listening to this interview, and it was so compelling that I actually... And I do this on occasion, folks. Uh, but I actually contacted Carla, asked for a friend request, and then asked her if she'd like to be on Unique Leaders Live. So I know you're going to enjoy Carla. It is just a, a real pleasure to uh, have uh, Carla with me today. As I've shared over these uh, year and a half of uh, Unique Leaders Live, Unique Leaders is about my guest. It's all about their story. And what I so love about Unique Leaders is that these stories will show you yourself. It The secrets are in their story. You know, they say that success leaves clues. Well, I don't want clues for you. I want you to have the whole story, that you can really see that evolution of that person's life and that you can identify with. We all have those moments of saying, could I do that? What if I did that? You know, the the what ifs type of thing. And I want you to see how these stories will resonate with you. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce to you, Miss Carla New. Hello. Hello, Miss Carla. Thank you so much for joining me today on Unique Leaders Live. You're welcome, Megan. Thank you for having me. It's, you know, as I shared in the introduction that uh, not, uh, I, I remember one other time that uh, I was listening to someone uh, being interviewed like you with Molly and that I said, I want to share that story. And um, this you. woman that I recently, uh, probably maybe six months ago, I uh, heard her story on actually Rise and Grind with Gwen Lundy and I interviewed, uh, contacted her like you and uh, interviewed her. And just recently, her product, Mutt Sauce, which was from her grandfather's recipe, just went on QVC. So, oh, that's a beautiful story. Yes. So it's just, I just love connecting people that are guests and with my guests. So without further ado, as I said, let's begin with Miss Carla. And so you grew up in Ohio, I believe. Yes, I grew up in the suburbs of Columbus, Ohio. I have um, a twin sister, which makes me unique. Uh -huh. And I have a sister who's three years older. So I didn't grow up with any brothers. Mm -hmm. And something else that's somewhat unique about me is I hail from parents who come from Appalachia, West Virginia, and inner city Kentucky. 
and they relocated to Ohio right before getting married. And we were raised in the suburbs of Ohio. Mm -hmm. So when you just said something that seems kind of oxymoron in my brain is that uh, uh, you said inner city, inner city of yes. Virginia. I, I think of- West Or Appalachia, Appalachia, West Virginia, and then inner city, Kentucky. Oh, inner city, Kentucky. Okay. Yes. Okay. Because I think of Appalachia as the Blue Ridge Mountains or the mountains. And mm -hmm. uh, I see. So then- they Yeah, Absolutely. Come then to Ohio. I I lived on, I grew up uh, in the East Coast and grew up on Long Island and, uh, but had um, a business, uh, a beauty, a skincare line, a beauty uh, line that was sold through wholesale beauty distributors. And there was a distributor at the time, there were several, but uh, Barnum Beauty Supply, which changed names, and then they were in Ohio, and then State Beauty Supply. So I was in and out of that neck of the woods a lot with um, introducing skincare. This was in the 90s and the early 2000s to That's salons. Nice. Mm -hmm. So I have, um, you know, a feeling for where mm -hmm. you are. And I one of my main gals, Vicki, is from Columbus, and I do believe she still lives there. So um, it's, as I said, I've been there many, many, many times doing trade shows and the like. So you uh, grew up there with your uh, three sisters, your siblings, and a twin, mm -hmm. and you're a very creative gal. And so where where did that little DNA gene come from? Probably from my father, who grew up, like I said, in the hills of West, of West Virginia. He's one of 10 children. Oh and his mother raised him to make use of what is on available on, on planet Earth. So I grew up learning about herbal remedies and he had a garden and things like that and always finding things to kind of repurpose and um, just using like a lot of home remedies and, and things like that. So that's where part of the creativity comes from. Mm -hmm. My dad shares a lot of stories about how my grandmother was make always making things. She could just look at a dress and then make a pattern out of it. She handmade all types of garments and blankets and things like that. So I like to think that my creativity comes from my grandmother that was also passed down to my father. And what did your dad do if he's still living or in the past, what did he yeah. do? Yeah, great question. So he is a self-taught brick and block mason. He started working in that industry at about 14. And then when he was 17, after he graduated from high school, he moved to Louisville, Kentucky, where he met my mom. And then there were more job opportunities in Columbus and that led them to Columbus, Ohio. So he was working for a company for a while and then branched on on his own and started his own company. So I grew up the daughter of a homemaker. My mom was a homemaker and my father was a brick and block mason. And I look around town and there's so many buildings that he built, he and his company built. And it's really kind of nice. He has since retired. Mm -hmm. But it is nice to kind of look at the legacy that was left through these buildings that he built. Yes, it's an amazing, awesome thing. How if you uh, can live with your legacy, meaning you said your dad is still with us. And yes. As you see, the um, whole area, I'm sure, has grown like every small city in the United States has in the last 20 years. And yes. And see that growth. That's really wonderful. But also that entrepreneurial spirit that your father had. Yes, absolutely. He, he, like I said, has a high school education. He did go to a technical school for a couple of months, but then everything he learned, he learned on his own and 
was able to win top bids for a lot of major buildings and um, organizations around the Columbus, Ohio area. So he's, uh, you know, in another day and time, he would could have, might have gone on to being an architect. Absolutely. That was actually his dream job mm-hmm. to be an architect. Yeah, he could, I'm sure he did it, actually. But yeah, he did. Just kind of unofficially. Exactly. Wasn't uh, recognized on that level. Title. Yeah, one. So absolutely. Uh, so then you um, grew up there and then you personally work for a, a company called Origami Owl. Yes. So I am an independent designer with a company called Origami Owl. And what I love about Origami Owl, it is a company that captures stories through unique jewelry. So um, our signature item is called the Living Locket. And it's a locket that you find charms in our collection that resonate with you, that kind of tell the story of the things that you love. And you put it in, you put the charms inside the locket and it tells the story of you or anything you'd like to represent. Hmm. Interesting story. That's an interesting word, Carla. Yes, we all have stories. We all have stories. And that, uh, so how long have you been working with this company? I've been with the company. It'll be 10 years in November. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So it'll be 10 years in November. And on the lines of having stories, I discovered the, the company when I was actually really ill. I was ill and I was at a very interesting crossroads, not really knowing exactly what was wrong with me. They didn't understand my diagnosis or, or a prognosis. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that the charms that I saw really resonated with me. It happened to be Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so October. And um, the charms were uplifting my spirit and putting me in a good mood. And I thought, wow, if this makes me feel really good like this. Imagine what it would do for other people. And I love to give things away and give gifts and pay it forward. So I thought I will just sign up for this company so that I can bless other people with meaningful gifts. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea what would happen with it. But to this day, I am still compelled by the stories that the jewelry is able to tell. Yes, very much so. I, you know, very briefly went into the site and looked at it and uh, saw that it had a rich, a meaningful heritage. And yes. 10, 10 years is a long time. Yes, uh, it is. Yeah. And that, you know, like you said, you had no anticipation to actually work with the line or sell the line, but it drew you in, which I'm sure happens often with people. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I was also able to, um, I have a degree in fashion merchandising, which is, you know, more on the creative end. So I was able to combine my love and interest for fashion, jewelry and accessories with being creative, as well as my, I have a gift for Gab and just connecting people. So I'm able to combine a lot of worlds together. Yes, very much so. I can see that clearly. Well, we will have your information, of course, in the body of this. So people wanting to look for uh, the Thank you. origami owl, sure, absolutely, uh, can find it and certainly find you uh, with that. So, you know, um, you have a family. You've been married 20 years. Um, yes. Yes. And um, uh, so the, what you do is very complementary to having family and helping you, to, you know, balance all of that, which is great and very uh, integral to, I'm sure, your life. Um, and your sisters and mom and dad still live in the um, Columbus area? So my, my parents still live in the area. 
and my oldest sister lives in the area. However, my twin lives in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. So still East Coast, but yes, yes, drive driving ability to get there. So that's exactly. Good. Yeah. Yes. Very good. So you know, Carla, um, I normally don't ask specific questions, but I feel very strongly, if it's okay sure. with you, that we can talk about what you shared that evening with Molly. Sure, absolutely. Okay. So I think you might be asking about what prompted me to maybe change my profile photo on LinkedIn. Is that what you're asking about? Yes, ma'am. Okay. So as you can see, I wear my hair in its natural state, but I have not always worn my hair in its natural state. So for the first, um, say, 41 years of my life, I, I straightened my hair. So I, I mentioned before in the beginning of the story that I grew up in the suburbs of Columbus, Ohio, mm -hmm. and it was, grew up in the 70s and 80s. And at the time, the percentage of Black people was very low. Mm -hmm. So we assimilated into that community, straightened our hair, and did a lot of things that a lot of people in the white community did. And that's just sort of what the, what the um, society was calling for is that you change your appearance to sort of fit in. Mm -hmm. And so I couldn't wait. My mom would chemic, well, excuse me, she would press my hair with heat, with a hot comb. Right. And for say from birth until, not birth, but probably like age two until about age 12. And then I finally hit the age of 12 when I could get a chemical relaxer. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of my childhood was spent focused on my hair and keeping it straight and keeping it styled a certain way to sort of, you know, fit into society. Mm -hmm. And I, I did that until age 41 when I, you know, I chemically straightened my hair and would use heat to keep it straight and, you know, just a lot of activity focused around my hair. Mm -hmm. In uh, 2011, or excuse me, 2014, I decided not to get any more chemical relaxers and I just let it go in its natural state, but I still straightened it with heat. Mm -hmm. And then finally, I decided to embrace my natural curls and started wearing it like I'm wearing it now. Mm -hmm. But it was still definitely a journey because, again, growing up in the 70s and 80s, there was a look that was expected, especially in corporate America, mm -hmm. to, to have what's considered a professional look. And back then it was the straight hair, mm -hmm. you know, assimilating to sort of mm -hmm. white society. Mm -hmm. And I bought into all of that. And so I never changed. I never took a professional picture with my hair this way never changed a profile picture on LinkedIn or Facebook or anything like that. Cause I also have a, a corporate professional job and oh, I okay. decided that um, let's see in 2019, I did a photo shoot with my current hair mm -hmm. and I updated my social media, everything except for LinkedIn. And I would happen to be on LinkedIn back in March, the end of March. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at my picture and thought, that's not me. That's not who I am. I had the straightened hair. And it was an old picture, probably from about 2014 or 15. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I'm on video conference calls all day. And people see me with my natural curly hair. But then I'm looking on LinkedIn and that's not me. So I decided that I was going to change the profile picture to match my current state. And I changed the picture. And then I decided that it was such a big deal for me because of the journey I had been on for most of my life. Yes, Paul. 
And so I decided that I was going to make a post sort of communicating that I changed my picture. First, I went to Facebook and made a post. And my community is used to me and the way I sort of handle myself. And there was some, I didn't post for engagement, but there was some conversation and dialogue about it. Mm -hmm. And about 10 minutes later, I said, I'm just going to make a post on LinkedIn and just see what happens. If something negative happens or, you know, nothing happens, I can always change my picture back or delete the post. So I made my post. It was on a Friday night at about 4.30. And previously to that, I had not really been using the, I'll call it the feed or the wall of LinkedIn. I had only been using my inbox and messenger. Right. And so I didn't really realize that people were interacting with their profile and that what's like the activity wall. Mm-hmm. And so I updated the picture, I made the post and I walked away. And the next morning when I woke up, there was an overwhelming response to that post. People that are in my, you know, I'm connected with as well as people I'm not connected with had all types of feedback. The post had been liked and shared hundreds of times. There were over 15,000 reactions to it, over 1,500 comments. And LinkedIn shows you stats with views that had been viewed over 300,000 times. And it was just really interesting, something as simple as changing a profile picture and making a statement about an appearance and being comfortable with changing your profile picture to your hair that it's in its natural state which is definitely a, um, it's definitely a movement. I would say in the past five to 10 years, there have been a lot of black women and men, but mainly women who have been more comfortable sort of wearing their hair in their their natural state and being comfortable in the workplace that way. You know, there's so many thoughts. We could talk till tomorrow. Uh, But, you know, as a woman, um, and I grew up in the, technically in the 60s, you know, high school era. And um, I mean, I ironed my hair. Now my hair, um, you know, looks straight right now. Um, and it it's a technically straight-ish, but I have a lot of movement. My mm-hmm. sister has, I'm Italian, and my sister has very curly hair. My dad had very curly hair. Um, and so I have more of my mother's Irish hair, you know, but it has a little movement in it. But back in that day, you know, it was the Peter, Paul and Mary kind of era, you know, and straight hair. And, you know, it's it's such an interesting thing how uh, we felt and feel that we need to fit in, like you Mm -hmm. just said, you know. Absolutely. And and it's joyful to me. um, You know, I could be your mother age wise. And the thing is that um, it's joyful to me to know that that um, mindset has changed, you know, maybe yes. not hundred percent. Sure. Yeah. It's definitely a shift. It's definitely a shift. Yes. 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 And I've watched myself go through that journey with not being comfortable at all. Like as a child, not even wanting to go play outside unless my hair was straightened and braided and looked a certain way Yeah. to me wearing my hair the way it grows from its head. Now you, your sisters, um, your twin and then your older sister, um, have they, um, you know, gone natural? I mean, has that been part of their life as well? Yes, that's a great question. They actually embraced the natural hair years before I did. I was the last in the family to do so. And what about your mom? My mom has been on this journey for 
probably over 30 years. Okay. So yes. she was a trailblazer. Uh, yeah, she was definitely a trailblazer. And we just weren't there with it yet, right? Yeah. So I, like I said, I was definitely a late adopter within my family. Yeah. Well, you were in school and then you went to college. What is your career job? You said you have a... a I'm an IT project manager. So I'm a digital and IT project manager. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. So that fits in, that assists you in every facet of your life. So yes, absolutely. And it's allowing me to be somewhat creative. I, I do manage some digital projects. So allowing to use some like creative background, but yeah. also project management and organizational skills as well. That's wonderful. So like you said, you were fashion merchandising major. I as well majored in fashion merchandising. Oh, that's and, really cool. Mm -hmm. uh, in, uh, I went to Marymount in Arlington, Virginia. Okay. DC. And, they, uh, okay. and then from there, I worked in Lord and Taylor and their buyers training program and then on to Bloomies and so forth. But okay. And, and yeah, we have a, that in common. Yeah. Yeah. I was a buyer at, for department stores as well. So it's, it is a great foundation for many things. Yes, absolutely. Or if you're a creative gal, that's for sure. Absolutely. So you know, the um, LinkedIn piece to this um has that because now you're an influencer to speak so to speak um has that uh, post have you built upon that have you done um more stories to that how to how has that evolved yes that's a great question so the thing that i loved about that linkedin post is it resonated with so many people a lot of people identified hey i did the same thing i did this a couple of years ago or wow you are inspiring me to do the same I wear my hair natural, but I never change my photo. And these were both black women and men, but it was also maybe a Caucasian woman that wears her hair curly, or maybe sure. her hair's gray and she's yeah. been dyeing her hair. And that's what the picture is. Exactly. But she's like, that's not, I'm not being my authentic self. So right. you have inspired me to show my hair that's salt and pepper. Or there was an Asian woman who said, I have curly hair that's salt and pepper. And my photo does not look like that. I'm on Zoom calls all day, not, you know, showing people what I look like, but then my LinkedIn profile doesn't match. And she actually took it a step further and updated her picture and did a before and after oh, within the cool. same picture. Oh, wow. I heard from women all around the country, um, different nationalities, whether it is wearing their hair in its natural state to wearing a hijabab and saying, okay, this is my authentic self. And yes. thank you for inspiring me to be my authentic self. Exactly, Carla. That's what I heard, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. was it was not just, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not just, you know, that essence of, you know, your own personal hair, your, you, but inspiring others. And that's what we yes. are to embrace us all. You know, exactly. Well, yes. And being comfortable and showing up as you are and um, yes. inspiring others to do the same. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that I liked about it, it, it was an educational opportunity. Mm -hmm. There are so many people that just did not realize that maybe black coworkers were going through the same thing, that it's something that because the, the caption of my post included that I said, I did a thing today. Um, something I would have never done, I updated my profile picture. And I also would have never gone to work with this natural hair. I would have never um, shown up for a job interview with this hair, started the first day of work with this hair. Something as simple as taking a uh, photo, like for your work badge ID, right. yes. things like that, starting in a new department, 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm able to do that now and feel comfortable. And a, a lot of people shared with me that they never even considered or knew that that was a thing that needed to be considered and how just the the emotion that was with it. I, it felt like a weight was lifted when I started wearing my hair natural and um, to be able to have an employer that allows me to show up as my authentic self. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but there is something called the Crown Act. Yes. And it is a a bill that was passed that says it is against the law to discriminate against mainly black people Mm -hmm. for wearing their hair in its natural state there. It's written in dress codes in both the workplace as well as schools that your hair cannot be worn in its natural state, whether it be a curly style like this or braids or dreadlocks or having beads in it or a protective style. Even the U.S. military had clauses about our hair. Um, Some sports organizations have clauses about our hair. And so a bill had to be passed to protect people from that. And a lot of people just were not aware because, you know, you're you're aware of things that impact you. You might not either, either have that circle of influence to be impacted by or exposed to it, or it's just nothing you've ever really had to think about or consider. So a lot of people were made aware and they thought, wow, this whole time, I never knew that that was a thing. Or wow, that was that is never something I considered when I interviewed someone or hired somebody, but thank you for bringing it to my attention. So it was a really unique opportunity to engage with people, bring somebody into something that has been, it's not really anything that people spoke about openly, right? Mm-hmm. But it's a way to increase awareness And also to realize that even though people are very different, there's also similarities, whether it be curly hair or gray or wearing a head covering due to religious beliefs, there is some sort of connection and being able to accept people being their authentic self. You might not identify because your hair is not like that or you don't wear a head covering, but to be accepted the fact that, yes, this is this person's authentic self and I I embrace them and I welcome them. And that is, that goes a long way. Well, that is actually the, uh, you know, as I said, I was drawn into your conversation. You know, when you spoke initially, what I picked up initially was the uh, LinkedIn piece, you know, and the just, you know, explosion of response. Um, And then uh, you ladies were continuing on and discussing and you shared about the Crown Act. And I just was it just was uh, unconscionable mm-hmm. to me uh, that because um, I grew up in a very blue collar uh, neighborhood on Long Island and my mm-hmm. par- grandparents, all of them were immigrants. And so um, Italy, Ir- Ireland and Germany. And so, you know, it was a um, kind of a mixed bag. And um, I had a lot of black friends. And, you know, I mean, so it's it's part of me. So when I heard that, Carla, that's actually, I'm very glad I did, as I shared with you before we began, I do not really ask specifics because I want my guests to be comfortable and share what they want to share. But I'm so glad that you did. Um, and the other piece that you shared in that interview with Molly was the fact that, and that's why I also asked you about your mom, because sure. you shared about on Saturdays, when your girlfriends came over and knocked on the door and said, hey, come on out, and you were busy relaxing your hair. Yes. Saturdays was hair day. And having two sisters, that, that meant three girls in the house, right. so three heads to do. 
And Saturday was hair day. And we literally would spend from 7 a.m. until about 9 p.m. doing hair. We would take breaks for meals and snacks. But that was my mom doing our hair the entire day. Mm-hmm. And growing up in an all-white community, it was it was foreign to my friends. They would come and knock on the door at 9 a.m. Can Carla play? And I would say, no, I can't play. I'm getting my hair done. You know, for them, they might sit down on the floor in front of their couch and their mom parts their hair and does two pigtails and braids it. And within 10 minutes, they're on their way. Mm -hmm. This would be hours. And because we weren't comfortable going outside until our hair was styled Mm -hmm. a certain way, Mm -hmm. if you were first, you might be done, say, by maybe 10 a.m. or 11. Mm -hmm. If you were last, you might not be done until 9 p.m. Because what she would do is shampoo all three of of our heads and then she would detangle then she would blow dry it but she would put like big plaits like big braids and you didn't want to go outside looking like that so right. your options were, were yeah. to wear a hat mm-hmm. that would kind of fall off your head because of the chunky braids mm-hmm. or you would stay inside until you were done so you wanted to at least be first or second <laughs> so you could go play during the daytime hours right so saturdays were spent all day doing our hair and then once we got to be maybe around nine or 10, it got to be a lot for her. So she would send us to a hair salon and it was a ways away. It was about 20 minutes away and she would drop us off and we would literally be there all day and we'd have to pack lunches and snacks and everything. So we'd be picked up after dark and then get up and go to church the next day. And then when we finally hit age 12, that's when it was like deemed safe to get a chemical relaxer. Mm-hmm. And so then she was able to do our hair faster, or yeah. we actually started learning to do our own hair. <laughs> but still, once a week, it was you typically about three hours that you would spend doing your hair. And, you know, it's also interesting. I asked you about your mother and you said mm-hmm. no, she's been on this journey for 30 years. So that would be part of this time frame, correct? Um, actually, probably a little bit after. After. So, so she yeah. Was part, she was with you girls in the beginning of this journey. Yes, yes. So she yeah. would, she had a chemical relaxer. She would press her own hair, like I using see. a hot comb, it's called pressing. Then mm-hmm. she, she got a chemical relaxer. And then at some point she let her relaxer grow out. You know, there was the big afros of the seventies. Yes. And then she was actually one of the first people to get the jerry curl back in the eighties. She's one of the first people to get that. So yes. she went through that journey. And very shortly after she kind of got rid of the jerry curl, she wore her hair natural and just put a very light chemical in it to sort of relax the the natural yeah. curl a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she's worn her hair um, in closer to its natural state. Probably, I was definitely in high school when she started that, so in the late '80s. So she's she's done that for the better part of 30 years. Well, you know, as I, I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm thinking. Um, there are things I want to do with this story. Sure. Oprah, you know, I mean, because it is truly, and again, because of where I grew up and my mindset, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I, I used to go, I'll just share this with you. Um, I lived uh, in Freeport, Long Island. My grandfather, Albert, uh, Alberto DiMartino, was a barber. So, okay. Okay. And so he loved doing ladies' hair. So he did a lot of ladies with perming and then that reverse perm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyhow, but uh, there was Main Street and we all would congregate at this uh, candy store. 
And I loved Carla going to this candy store with my younger brother because I double dutched with. Oh, wow. I loved it. And uh, so in my brain and my essence, I don't, you know what I mean? Sure. And so that was a community you grew up in. But I do, I am a female and I do know about uh, how one feels, but to take it even that step further with the Crown Act and oh my gosh, because I do see growing up in uh, suburbs of Columbus, Ohio there, you know, you wanted to fit in. I get it. I get it. Absolutely. And like I said, it was written into dress codes. Like even as recent as I have um, two teenagers and as recent as a couple of years ago, the dress codes at my children's public elementary school has clauses in it that kind of border on um, making sure that that people that have black natural hair are not doing certain things with their hair, right? And it's just, it's society. It's not necessarily the school doing anything quote unquote wrong. Sure. It is how our society has sort of been crafted, right? Mm-hmm. So like I said, even the U.S. military had to change some things with the way mm-hmm. that they handle um active military so So, yeah it's it's really interesting i I think we need to really because it's not you said this earlier people just do not have any clue they are not they don't they don't exactly and i'm I'm sure that was part of your three hundred thousand comments was i just had no idea oh my god i'm sure you know exactly or just whether it's a dress code or not the way you feel like we were raised that like as a part of society, like it's just not presentable. That's not professional. It literally was like almost like an unwritten, unspoken rule that it's not professional. Yes. And so you just do certain things to to fit in or assimilate. Yes. And it's like, wait a minute, this is this is sort of how we how we came out. It's, is, it's how we are. This is me. Exactly. This exactly. Is me. This is yes. me. Well, yes, I'm absolutely. so I, I appreciate you sharing. And as I said, um, I really was looking very much forward to having you with me because this was just something, A, I had no idea, and B, and then I looked it up. Then I studied it. You know, I mean, it's like three o'clock in the morning and I was visiting with Mr. Google and uh, reading about that. And uh, I just, I said, I must reach out to this gal. I must. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. And it's impacted, you know, small children being sent home for wearing braids or dreadlocks. There have been students expelled from school for wearing dreadlocks or wearing their hair in braids or having beads, things like that. So it's mm-hmm. it's definitely has impacted a lot of the community. Mm-hmm. Well, from myself to you, I'm sorry. And uh, thank and you. I, and I know my parents would feel the same and my my siblings, because that's not how we were brought up. Um, but with that, I, I ask all of my guests this one question yes. and, and it comes from, uh, a book that Sharon Lecter, three feet from gold wrote with Greg Reed. Sharon Lecter, are you familiar with Sharon Lecter at all? I'm not, I have to, I have to research her. So she's, she's quite a formidable gal. I'm very blessed to know her. Uh, she was the co-author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad with Robert Kowalski. Oh, okay. Okay. And she was on councils with uh, uh, several presidents of, of literacy and financial councils. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, after she left Rich Dad, she joined the Napoleon Hill Foundation. And she wrote Think and Grow Rich, that Napoleon Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she updated it uh, per them, uh, Think and Grow Rich for Women. And then with the foundation, with Greg Reed, she wrote um, Three Feet from Gold. Now, it's a very compelling story about, you know, Three Feet from Gold, you know, how one gives up before, you know, they should and so close, but yet so far. But in it, and it, it's, you know, a story that um, starts with an um, gentleman from the East Coast during the gold rush, and he goes out to California or someplace in the West, bought some land, was working his way, at the potential gold, uh, you know, vein, and he gave up. And it's a town he bought it, and in three feet, he struck gold. So hence the name. Wow. Mm-hmm. But, but it goes on from there and brings it to modern day. But in it, she wrote her success formula. And it's your passion plus talent times association times action plus faith equals success. But I don't ask you all of those. But what I do ask is, what is your passion and what is your talent? So my passion is leading into being my authentic self, which I did not do for so many years, but for the past, I'd say five years, I have embraced it. And it is so freeing that I'm passionate and it attracts other people. Mm-hmm. And then I'm able to inspire them to be their authentic self. Amen. And your talent? My talent would be, I've never met a stranger. I have the gift of gab. I love, like I said, the story thing. There's definitely a connection there. I have a story for everything. And I love hearing stories from other people. And when you're telling stories, there's always some connection that you have that the more you talk, you'll find that, you know what, we do have some things in common and just a way to connect with people. Mm -hmm. Amen. Very much so. Well, Carla, this has been wonderful and you're a delight and I so thank you. And this won't be the last time we chat, but, uh, and thank Molly from me uh, for doing that interview because it truly, I'm sure that also that interview uh, struck, you know, a chord with many people, not only myself at one or two in the morning when I was listening to that. Well, thank you so much, Megan, for having me. It was a pleasure to be here. And I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share my story. Truly my pleasure. And so if you just wait for a minute, I'm going to say, you know, good night to our friends and guests, and I'll be right back. Okay. Thank you. Wow. 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 What a story and what just a compelling story, but also a beautiful woman who has found her true place her essence. She already always had it, but then it, you know, she identified it and said, that's it. I'm going to be me. And how many of us have lived, you know, um, you know, not just the imposter syndrome. That's not what Carla was speaking about, but things that we've taken on baggage that we've taken on that really is truly not us. And it's soon, sooner than later, that we can let it go and live our authentic life is the, a gift from God. 
So thank you for joining me and Carla new today for Unique Leaders Live. It is on YouTube under the Unique Leaders uh, channel. And also it's going to be a podcast Tuesday, but share it out because there's so many people as she shared 3000 people or, you know, a huge amount, uh, uh, you know, just it registered with on uh, YouTube. So, uh, excuse me, LinkedIn. So please share this out because I know that it will resonate with so many people and the information and the history, just very important information. So please do share it out. And again, it will be on podcast and all the platforms next Tuesday. And so without saying anything more, I thank you for joining us on Unique Leaders Live today. And we'll be back next Friday for another story from a wonderful, unique leader. And be blessed. Thank you for listening to the Unique Leaders Podcast. If we said something today that resonated with you, please connect with me at megandemartino.com. I have a free gift for you. My book, Hope and Possibilities, Just Over the Horizon. It's never too early or too late to create the life of your dreams. And don't forget to head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. I would truly appreciate it. Be blessed.